talking about here is unrighteous judgment, judging others while you are doing the same thing. And Paul said, do you think that somehow you will escape if you are judging others for lying when you are lying? And of course, you cannot. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the wrath of God. Uh, This whole section, remember, started talking back in chapter 1, verse 18, talking about the wrath of God being revealed from heaven. And uh, whenever you talk about the wrath of God, unfortunately, even among those who are Christians, you have to defend the idea as it being a proper element of God's character. And it's really a strange thing that that should be true. Uh, Many years ago uh, in, in Philadelphia, the newspapers reported the discovery of a house of horror. Um, a man by the name of Gary Heidnick had been luring prostitutes, homeless women, uh, to his house. He would imprison them, torture them, and finally kill them. And when all of the, this was discovered, two women were found to be chained to the walls uh, in his basement and body parts of others were found in his freezer. The interesting thing about the case was the outrage that it engendered, and it was directed not only at at the man himself, but at the police who had been alerted to some strange going-ons there, but uh, they had done nothing. And they maintained that until they had probable cause, there was nothing they could do. That uh, no judge would give them a warrant to go into a home where they had no solid suspicion even of what was going on. What happened was one of the women that he captured escaped and told the story. And so then they had probable cause to go in. And the position of the police was, of course, technically and legally correct. But, but people were, were inflamed. They were outraged that this had gone on. Uh, why? Because we feel that evil demands intervention and outrage. And if those things uh, don't happen, then we are deeply upset. If nothing is done, if the situation continues unchallenged, then the outrage is intensified. So my question is this. Why are we willing to grant the rightness, or why aren't we willing to grant the rightness of a similar outrage to God? When God judges sin, why are we outraged by it? Portions of the Bible like 1 Samuel 15 where Saul is told to destroy the uh, Amalekites. People are just up in arms about that. Or in the book of Joshua where God's judgment has come against the Canaanites and he uses Israel to punish sin. Well, God can't be a good God if he would do that. Well, if 
if I can be outraged at the actions of men and feel that they should be punished, why should I not think that God has the right to punish sin? Uh, and if we believe that God is who the Bible says he is, we believe that God is a sovereign God and a good God, that he always does what is holy, what is righteous, and what is good, then why should we be outraged at his wrath? The only thing I've been ever able to figure out is that we consider our sins and those of most other people to be excusable, uh, that they don't warrant wrath. Now, we forget that in the sight of a holy God, our sins are just as outrageous as those of Gary Heidnick because our sins are not measured by our relative standard of good and bad, but by God's absolute, utterly upright righteousness. Uh, I think that's why unbelievers and some professing Christians get so upset when the Bible says that God punishes sin, that God's wrath is real, that it's a real part of his character. And again, the first time we came to this idea was in chapter 1, verse 18. Paul said, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That, that's, a, that's a thematic verse for this section of Scripture. And it's very important, for it is saying that the wrath of God is not something that is merely saved up and long delayed, but it is an ongoing process until the final day of judgment. God is revealing his wrath to us even now. It, it is going to be revealed at the final day, but it is being revealed now. Uh, Romans 2.5, of course, says there is a day of wrath to come. But the first thing that Paul says about God's wrath is that it is already being revealed from heaven. This means that the wrath of God is a very real thing. Moreover, we can know the certainty of a future day of wrath by noting the past and the present revelation of that wrath. I saw uh, uh, an interesting photograph this week in one of the protests. I don't know which city it was. But there's a group of protesters. I think they call themselves Undo Jesus. And one fellow was holding up a sign, and he said, if Jesus comes back, kill him again. And they, their logo is a man throwing a cross into a trash can. When Jesus comes back, no one is going to kill him. He has died once for all for sin. When Jesus returns, he comes to judge the living and the dead. He comes to sit on a great white throne and to separate the sheep from the goats. You see, a frightening, frightening thing. Now, the fact that these people <clears throat> do not believe that doesn't change the truth. God's wrath is real whether you believe it or not. In Romans 1, 
Paul's main point is that the wrath of God is revealed to us chiefly in the debilitating downward drag of sin on our lives. We think we can sin just a little bit. You know, we'll be okay if we sin just a little. We cannot. Sin captures us. Sin pulls us down until if we are allowed to continue in sin long enough, we end up calling what is good evil. And what is evil, good. There's a large number of people in our culture today that have reached that point. They have reached the point where abortion is good. Having children is evil. They have reached the point where sin is good. And righteousness is evil. And light is evil and darkness is good. Sin drags you down to that point inevitably. If you do not repent of sin, that is what it does. So the moral turmoil, the chaos of the world, including our own personal world, is evidence that the wrath of God is not fiction. All that is going on in our country in the last couple of weeks is evidence that the wrath of God is real, that the judgment of God is real, and that wrath is being revealed. And it's something that all of us should be gravely concerned about. Now, the, the next point that Paul makes is that the wrath of God toward the sin of men and women is deserved. That should be perfectly evident at this point in time, uh, at least if we've understood the argument of Romans chapter 1. God's wrath is deserved because our ignorance of God is a willful ignorance and our refusal to seek him out and worship him is a willing refusal. We, we've already seen that God has revealed his existence and his power in nature. Anyone who looks at nature can see that God is real and that his power is real so that men are without excuse. Just the evidence of nature, natural revelation, should lead every man, woman, and child on the planet to realize that God is God and they should give thanks to him. But men do not do that. They look at nature and they come up with alternative theories about how it all came about. God didn't make it. It just all happened. It, was, it, just, it just all happened by chance. <clears throat> it just was uh, natural selection. But when we come to Romans chapter 2, Paul makes the case even stronger. Romans chapter 1 declared God's wrath on the basis of the evidence of his existence in nature which we refuse to acknowledge. Chapter 2 goes beyond that. And verse 5 here says, speaking of the wrath of God, that it is coming to us because of our stubborn refusal to repent. The word impenitent takes us back to verse 4. Paul in that verse said there's two paths open to human beings as a result of God's kindness, forbearance, and patience. One path is the path of contempt for God's blessing. That's the path that most men take. The other path, the one that Paul recommends, is repentance. 
God, God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God causes the sunshine to come to the just and the unjust. All men receive the blessings of God. His goodness, his mercy, his forbearance. That should lead all men to repent and give him thanks. But they do not. Paul says, he speaks of our hard or stubborn, impenitent, unrepentant hearts. Apparently, the kindness, the forbearance, and the patience of God do not have the effect of themselves of leading men and women to repentance. On the contrary, men who have already suppressed the truth about God's existence and power that can be seen in nature now reveal a hardening of their hearts against the kindness of God that has been bestowed upon them. Things that God has given them that they do not deserve. God has given them what they do not deserve for their good. And they show contempt to him. So the wrath of God against the human race is deserved on two counts. One, men have rejected the natural revelation of God that we see in the universe. And number two, we've shown contempt for God's kindness, patience, and forbearance. God has been kind and gracious and good. And rather than repenting, men find him in contempt. And then, in my judgment, one of the important teachings here in Romans uh, chapter 2, the first five verses, I think is that the wrath of God is proportionate. That is, it is proportionate to human sin in the sense that those who sin much will be punished much and those who sin less will be punished less. A lot of people have a problem with that. They, they've thought, well, uh, you either receive Jesus Christ or you do not. And if you do not, then you go to hell and the punishment for everyone is the same. That is not what the Bible teaches. First of all, the basic premise is an error. Not everyone hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. So those who do not hear the gospel would be punished less. Those who hear it the most have the greatest accountability. We should be very frightened, those of us who live in this country, who have so many opportunities to hear the gospel, who have so many opportunities to exercise repentance. Our accountability to, to, our accountability to God is much greater than those who do not hear the gospel. Uh, in Romans 1, we saw that God does not condemn people for failing to do what they did not even know they should do, but rather for failing to follow the revelation they have. They see the existence and the power of God in nature, and they turn away from it. They refuse to acknowledge his existence and his power. So the one who has never heard the gospel is condemned not for failing to believe on someone he's never heard of, 
but for failing to act upon the revelation that he had in nature and failing to understand the goodness and the kindness of God. Jesus said the same thing uh, over in Luke chapter 10 where he is condemning the cities of Israel. He said, Woe unto you, Chorazin, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Now listen to verse 14. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. So the wrath of God is proportionate. It is proportionate to the amount of truth and light that a person has received. Some are more guilty than others and deserve greater punishment. Uh, for instance, the false prophets of our day who lead people astray, who lead people into believing that if we send them money to buy their $60 million jets, we'd be doing the will of God. I, I shudder to think what their accountability before God will be. I shudder to think what mine is. Uh, wrath is proportionate. And again, I, I, I gave this illustration last week. Paul says they store up wrath for the day of wrath. Think, think of a man who, who gets a gold coin every day. He brings it home, and he puts it in a chest right over his bed in the attic. And every day he adds to his treasure. Every day he's storing up treasure. Every day he's getting richer and richer and richer. And over the years that chest gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And one night he goes to bed and goes to sleep, and the chest crashes through the ceiling, hits him in the head and kills him. What he thought was his treasure ended up being his doom. People think that God is not really going to punish sin. And they receive his kindness. They receive his forbearance. They receive his mercy every day, thinking nothing will ever happen. And one day, one day, God's wrath is revealed. And they find that they've been storing up wrath against the day of wrath. Every little indulgence of sin is a coin of wrath stored up. Each neglect of others is a saved up ignorant of anger. Every angry word, every selfish thought, every harmful act is a piling up of the treasure of wrath one day to be revealed. Each pleasure that man enjoys without genuine thanks to God, builds wrath. Each year of grace, each day enjoyed, without the experience of God's swift and immediate judgment, each moment of indifference to the mercy of God is, accumulate, is an accumulation of wrath. If life has been good to you, it only increases your guilt you're building a treasure of future punishment by ignoring the kindness of God. There's another idea here about wrath in verse 5, and that is that it is real. By that I mean it's certain. The wrath of God is certain. 
people who spurn God's patience inevitably think in the end somehow they'll get away. They will not, they will not be punished. They will escape. Uh, they have concluded that some people are deserving of wrath but not themselves because they've done the best they could. They've tried to be good people. Paul said that's not so. He says, on the contrary, an awareness of a moral standard coupled with a refusal to repent of sin and come to God increases their guilt and assures their final condemnation. Certainty of judgment is seen in the phrase, the day of wrath. Uh, why is the time of the outpouring of God's wrath called a day? It, it is not because it's to unfold in what we would call a 24-hour day. The Bible speaks of various and manifold judgments that may be spread out over a considerable period of time. The, the, the use of the word day in the phrase the day of wrath is similar to the phrase the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ encompasses all of his ministry, about 33 years but it is known as the day of Jesus Christ. So why is God's wrath called a day? It is because it is fixed in God's calendar. It is certain. It is coming at a specific time. That day is determined. So when the day finally rolls around, the wrath of God will be poured out. Whatever we may wish to the contrary. A great German preacher once said, if the time should ever come, for these things are conceivable nowadays, when we succeed in demonstrating that black is white and white is black, that good is evil and evil good, if we should ever be successful in invalidating the fundamental moral principles of the universe so that sin were no longer hated, and everyone took a fancy to evil, then there would still be a stronghold where evil would be hated, and that is in heaven. And there would still be one who has sworn to fight evil in the world to the last drop of his blood, and that is God, whose wrath is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men. Also, God's wrath is a righteous wrath. It's not arbitrary. It's not capricious. It is right. God's wrath is just. I said last week, just and judgment, the two words go together. The judgment of God is just. The wrath of God is a righteous God. It is according to God's law. All those who have done good, Paul is going to say a little later, we're going to talk about that. If there is any good, we'll receive good. Those who have done evil will receive evil. One of the great problems with sin is that it leads to self-justification. So anything that happens to us that we do not like, we are immediately perceived as we have a right to be upset and that someone has wronged us. We live in a world 
that has fallen. A world of, of unrighteousness, of wickedness. We live in a world of uh, sin and of disease that comes to everyone. And yet how often have I heard Christian people say, my father has cancer. I don't understand. He doesn't deserve that. Really? My father died of cancer. Do you know why he died of cancer? Because he deserved it. Because he was a sinner. Now he was a sinner saved by grace. And so he died and went into the presence of God. But I for one minute never thought that God had done something unjust that God had allowed him to have cancer and that somehow God was unrighteous. A righteous God cannot do anything wrong. He cannot be unjust. What he does is right. His judgment is according to truth. It's according to holiness. It's according to righteousness. Sin is punished in large measure in this life now, and it will be punished fully and equitably in the life to come. There will be a righteous judgment. Some people think, well, I just want God to give me what I deserve. Boy, I don't. The last thing I want from God is what I deserve because what I deserve is to be punished for all of eternity. Now, I don't want justice from God. I want mercy. I want grace. I want God to see me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the only place that salvation is to be found. Listen, think about this, what we looked at here this morning. God's wrath is deserved by us. It is proportionate to our sin. It is absolutely certain it is coming. It is even being now partially unfolding by the effect of sin on our lives. So how can the wrath of God possibly be avoided? I am a sinner. How can I avoid the wrath of God? I deserve the wrath of God. I deserve that all of God's wrath should be poured out upon me for all of eternity. For I am a sinner. I have held God in contempt. I have willingly sinned against a holy God. If you want to know that, if you want to see for certain that the wrath of God is real, look at the hours leading up to the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he was troubled. The Bible says that he went into the garden of Gethsemane and he sweat as it were great drops of blood. Why was Jesus so troubled? Why could he not face death like Socrates did who quaffed the hemlock down and never thought anything about it? Jesus was as brave a man as Socrates. So why was he troubled? Why was he in such anguish of soul? The reason that Jesus trembled before death is that his death was going to be unlike any other in the history of the world. There was none like it before. There's none like it after. 
for Jesus Christ was going to die for others. Jesus Christ took upon himself the full measure of the wrath of God. All of the wrath of God that my sin deserved, Jesus took. All of the wrath of God that your sin deserved, Jesus took. For all who would be believing, John 3.16 says, Jesus Christ endured the wrath of God. I used to listen to a preacher who used to put it this way. I like it. He used to say, if you are a believer, Jesus Christ baptized his soul in hell for you. Indeed, he did. He took the wrath of God for me, for you. But you must believe. You must believe. On the cross, centuries of God's wrath had been building up. Occasionally, it would spill over, like in the destruction of the Canaanites, the Amalekites, or Israel. But all of that wrath came pouring down at the cross when Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Martin Luther began his spiritual pilgrimage by fearing God's wrath, and then he came to peace in Christ, but he never forgot the reality of the final judgment and he always warned his hearers to flee from that day of wrath by coming to Christ. In one place he said, The last day is called the day of wrath and of mercy, the day of trouble and of peace, the day of destruction and glory. Luther is right. It will be one or the other. It will either be a day of mercy and peace for you or a day of wrath and trouble. If it is to be a day of peace and mercy, it will have to be because you are trusting in Jesus Christ, believing that he took the wrath of God in your place by repenting of sin, by putting your faith and your trust in the only one, the only one who has ever borne the wrath of God for others, and the only one who ever could. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.